0: I want to begin with a story entitled, The Man, the Seashore, and the Four Prescriptions. Once upon a time, there was a man who felt he'd reached the end of his rope. It seemed that all the interests had suddenly vanished from his life. His creative wells had seemingly dried up. He still had his work, but it suddenly seemed meaningless to him. Even his family and his home receded darkly in his mind. Finally, nearing uh, the point of desperation, he went to see his old friend, the family doctor. The doctor listened to his story, saw the depth of his depression, And then ask him, when you were a child, what did you like to do best? He said, I like to visit the seashore. All right, the doctor said, you must do exactly as I tell you. I want you to spend all day tomorrow at the shore, find a lonely stretch of beach, and spend the entire day there from nine o'clock in the morning until six o'clock in the evening. Take nothing to read and do nothing calculated to distract you in any way. I'm gonna give you four prescriptions in order. Take the first at nine o'clock, the second at noon, the third at three o'clock, and the last at six o'clock. Don't look at them now. Wait until you arrive at the shore tomorrow. The man promised he would take the doctor's advice, and the next morning, a little before nine o'clock, he parked his car on a lonely stretch of beach. There was a strong wind blowing in in from the sea, and the surf was high and pounding he walked to the sand dune near the surf and sat down he took out prescription number one opened it and read it it said listen that was all that was written on it one word listen and so for three hours that's all he did he listened to the sound of the buffeting wind and the lonely cries of the seagulls he listened to the sound of the booming surf he sat quietly And he listened. At noon, he read the second prescription. It said, reach back. And so for the next hour, he did just that. And let his mind go back as far as it could. And through all the incidents of his life, he could remember the happy times, the good times, the struggles and successes. At three o'clock, he tore open the third prescription. It read, re-examine your motives. And this took some much intense thought and concentration that the remaining three hours slipped by very quickly. For three hours, he re-examined his motives, his reason for living, and moved closer to fulfillment. He clarified and re- reinstated, restarted his goals. And at six o'clock, under a gray darkening sky with a taste of salt spray in the wind, he read the fourth and final prescription. It read, write your worries in the sand. There had been one thing that had worried him Particularly, so he walked to the hard sand and with a stick wrote that worry in the sand. Then as he walked toward where his car was parked, he looked back and saw that the incoming tide had already erased his worry. He got into his car and drove homeward. So the four prescriptions. Listen, reach back, re-examine your motives, and write your worries in the sand. I like that story for some reason. I always wanted to, I always thought, the story is about 20 years old, I mean I've been reading it for 20 years now, I thought well one day I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to the beach and do exactly what that doctor (laughs) prescribed. There are times when we need to experience a new beginning. You know the concept of revival I think is very powerful. Churches have revival and I think that it's it fulfills a, a very real need in people's life on a continuous basis. Our spirit needs revival, re- reviving. I mean, there must be a reason why the Bible warns us about the loss or losing our first love. I mean, why else is those scriptures in there? Because there's, there's, it, it can happen, the loss of first love, and we need reviving, re- we need revival. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. However, you know, when you've been in the church 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, it's sort of hard to hold on to that. You know, all things are new, you know, and it's just uh, uh, it, it's you know to honestly maintain that. We lose from time to time enthusiasm, excitement, passion. Throughout our calling, there will be many times when you need to experience a new beginning. You know, there's a, at least for me, a, I don't know how to explain it, like the monotonous of everyday living, a drudgery that can set in where you almost seems like you're on automatic pilot. You're doing everything, everything. You know, it's almost everything is set. The stage is set every day, and I'm, I'm doing the ex- exact same thing. And I'm, I'm driving my truck. And sometimes I wonder if I'm even driving my truck. I, I, actually thought one time I was cruising down the road, and I said, "Am I actually driving this, or is it more like a video game where you, the road is actually just sort of moving?" And I'm just, it's all automatic pilot. You know, it's just, you know, weird, weird thoughts. Am I just going through the motion and and sometimes we we place ig- enormous expectations on ourselves you know that 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 in reality we can't live up to and there is a a good what i call holy discontentment that is healthy that is this life is not what it's all about you know we, we god never intended us to exist in the flesh forever i mean it is the abolition of mankind. It is the, the future. Our destiny is to have a, to enter into a, you know, a spiritual body. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And uh, so this life is not what it's all about. And so for that reason, that holy discontentment keeps us on our toes. It keeps us searching, looking, working. Keeps us sometimes questioning ourselves, you know, and, and to keep a check on ourselves, our character. That's a good thing. But the discontentment that I have experienced a lot of times makes it, this is me, well, this is what I struggle with. Sometimes the discontentment that I have, is, is it, makes us, makes me, it makes it impossible for me to enjoy life or the moment, to live in the moment. You know, I struggle with that. Discontentment, you know, Zig Ziglar put it this way. He said you, you know, you're working and you think man I'd like to be on vacation and then you go on vacation. and You think man, I need to be back at work Uh, (laughs) And he says no wonder." he says you're always traveling. You're always back and forth, you you know, you and uh, I found myself You know, we took a few days off to go to paint bank and I said I'm gonna go and I'm gonna relax I'm not carrying stuff with me. There is no internet service, so I don't have to worry about that and I, at the end of that two-day period, I found myself, you know, I, I, I really need to get back to doing this stuff. And when I got home, I was almost overwhelmed by stuff I needed to catch up on. And I'm thinking, man, this is, this is unreal. Can I not enjoy the moment, this, this discontentment that I sometimes have? You know, here's how I live a lot of times. This is the thought. You should always be doing that which you are not doing at the moment. You should always be, I should always be doing that which I am not doing at the, you know, and it drives me crazy. And so this verse in Ecclesiastes, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you go. Often I find myself jumping from one thing to another. And then the double whammy is the reality that I don't have forever to do this. You know, I mean, I'm not accumulating more time, the clock is ticking. You know, if I had forever, I could just take my time and say, hey, I'm going to enjoy this. So, you know, stuff I struggle with, really. So, the discontentment that makes it impossible to enjoy life, to enjoy the moment, the idea you should always be doing that which you are not doing at the moment, we need to deal with this, we need to get over this, we need to set our compass a little bit differently and, and, and deal with this. But there are times when we all need to experience a new beginning. A new beginning. Now sometimes, I'll talk about this, because I think we do have the opportunity to experience a new beginning. And I'll explain this. But sometimes we need to be made aware of what we already have. Sometimes we just don't realize what we already have. We take it for granted. We don't realize, well, man, I've already got something really great here, and we overlook it. You know, it's like the story Acres of Diamonds. It's about a farmer who, he'd heard about some of the mining of diamonds in the West or somewhere, and he sells his property, and he goes out there to mine for diamonds, and the property had just sold. They were tilling up the ground, and here's this big old <laughs> shiny rock that, he, he lived, he had diamonds all over his land, landscape. But, you know, he didn't know he had that. So we always think something is out, you know, we don't realize what we have. Now, a new beginning. Actually, in reality, every seventh day is a new beginning. It's the Sabbath day. You have that, every, and that's what I mean. Sometimes we don't realize what we have. Every sab- Sabbath can be a new beginning because there is a disconnect. And there's a connectivity with God. And I think it's important concerning the Sabbath to know what feeds your spirit. You know. Uh, and, And to work at let the Sabbath be a day that feeds your spirit, that lifts you up, that encourages you. And only you can know what that is. Only you can know what's best for you. I found that Sometimes we need to make decisions, you know. No one's gonna come up to you and say, hey, let me do what's best for you. You have to make that decision. Because <laughs> so, first of all, you gotta know what's best for you, and then you gotta do it. Sometimes we know what's best, but for whatever reason, we don't do it because there's obligations, there's responsibilities, there's, there's things and we never get around doing what we really know is best for us. But remember, no one's gonna come up to you and say, hey buddy. I know what's best for you. Let me give it to you. <laughs> not going to happen. Every, day is, every seventh day is a new beginning. And you must determine whether your spirit is being fed. You know, I've heard statements like, well, I'm just not being fed at my local church. Maybe not here, I haven't heard that, but I've heard those comments, you know, in churches of God. Well, I'm, not just, I'm just not being fed. You know, there's more that feeds your spirit than a 45-minute worship service. There's more that feeds your spirit than potlucks. (laughs) There's more that feeds your spirit than fellowship. Not that any of those things are wrong or bad, but, but I'm just saying you've got to decide what really lifts your spirit on the Sabbath day. Your spirit has to be renewed every seventh day. I think this is a part of the way God designed us and created us. He knew after six days, you can't just you can't just keep going through that motion. You'll burn out. Do whatever it takes to be totally renewed on God's Sabbath. That, you know, the Sabbath At the end of the Sabbath there should be total energized refreshed rested your spirit should be totally lifted up. The Sabbath should be a visitation from God. So, you know, because that's how you renew your spirit. And uh, sometimes I think there's things we're maybe missing about the Sabbath. Uh. (laughs) The man, the seashore, the four prescriptions. Okay, let's go through this on a new beginning. Number one, listen. Are you listening? Sometimes I think we are just listening to the, what I call the echo chambers of our own heart, emotions, desires. So I'm asking, are you listening to the voice of God? Well, where is God's voice? Uh, well, it's, for one, it's the Word of God. It's the Bible. That's one of the ways that, that you listen to God. But are you listening to the things that lifts your spirit, that renew, renews you? Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes when I leave, I listen to my favorite music. It's probably somewhat carnal, by the way. <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, I'm convinced there is a time when music just totally impacts you, and that's from 15 to about 19. That it, that, that's when, you know, in whatever era you grew up in, maybe longer than that, but, but I mean, really has an impact on you. Because I found myself... I loved the 70s, but when the 80s came around, I remember thinking, I don't even like a lot of this music. But the 70s music had a big impact on me. But a lot of times, it may not be what lifts my spirit. Um, And I'm going to challenge you to to listen to the things that lifts your spirit. This book, uh, The Essence of Success by Earl Nightingale, one of the things that I have found is it, it, it sort of lifts my spirit, and when I read it, scriptures in the Bible, like I'll be reading a story, and then I can connect it up with a, a verse in the Bible. Sometimes you need a little help with, with the Bible. You need an additional thing that... Have you ever just picked up your Bible and said, I'm not getting anything out of this? Yeah, you do, and, and sometimes you need... Like, like, I've read certain stories here. Let, let me share this one. I'll tell you how it works here. Um, you know, sometimes we need to get beyond just head knowledge of the Bible. You know all, all kinds of people that have head knowledge of the Bible. You know, I call them Pharisees, you know, maybe. You know. <laughs> and, and yet, none of, hardly any of that knowledge can, you can apply to your personal life as to make it better. But they have wonderful head knowledge, but it's not, there's no application to the real world or, or, or living or life or anything out of that. Uh, and so we say sometimes, you know, well, I'm just not getting out of anything out of reading my Bible. Sometimes there's a connection that needs to be made. The book, the Bible, is a spiritual book. Sometimes you need something to help you connect to the deeper, the deep spiritual lessons of the Bible to go beyond just what I would call uh, head knowledge. Give you a little illustration here. It's one of one, a favorite, one of my favorite Earl Nightingale story is the about the. Uh, Kansas farmer who as he is contemplating the great mysteries of life was asked by a passing stranger in a covered wagon you know another person comes along and says what kind of people live around here to which the farmer replied well stranger what kind of folks uh, were there in the country where you come from well there were mostly a low down lying thieving gossiping backbiting type of people said the stranger And the farmer replied, well, stranger, I guess that's about the kind of folks you're gonna find around here. The first wagon had hardly gone by until another wagon came up with the same question. What kind of folks live around here? The farmer (coughs) said, well, what kind of folks were there in the country you came from? Well, they said, well, they were mostly decent, hardworking, law-abiding, friendly kind of people. And again, the farmer replied, "Well, I guess that's kind of stranger. uh, Well, stranger, I guess that's the kind of people you're going to meet around here." And and so from that little story, you know, the 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 Bible connection was, "As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he." You know, what kind of people? You know, the way you view people, the way you look at people. So, you know, sometimes you need a little help in connecting up the Word of God. And this 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 may not work for you, you know, because we're all different. But it may be something else that you need to do but it's helped me to connect the Bible with my personal life and scriptures with, with my personal life. All right, the man, the seashore, and the four prescriptions. Are you listening to what really feeds your spirit? Number two, reach back. Reach back. Isaiah 51 and verse 1 says this, I like this scripture. It's sort of humbling to to read this scripture. Isaiah 51, and verse 1. It says, Hearken unto me, you that follow after righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. (laughs) Oh, my. But, uh, you know, here's the point. You're not the same person you were 20 years ago. You're not the same person. You know, I, I look at sometimes my own life, and I think, here was this little boy in school who who would skip school to avoid even speaking, uh, giving a report in front of people. It was such a fear that I would just check out of school. And I said, I'm not gonna do that. There's no way I'm gonna get up in front of people and do anything like that. And so, you're not to say, we have all entered the salvation process room. And it is a process. and Sometimes we're concerned that progress is not made as quickly as we would like. But you don't, you know, we, had, we need to consider that God's schedule is a little bit different than ours. A day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. So, you know, in this salvation process room, God sometimes has to carry you. Yeah, sometimes, you know, like that little story about footprints in the sand. Sometimes God has to carry you. Um, Sometimes, in our struggles, maybe we take a leave of absence, the prodigal son. But all, this is, all of it is part of the growth cycle that we go through. And another thing about this, do you rejoice in the positive changes God has made in your life? Or do you always focus on those negative things? You know. You know, I find myself sometimes thinking, you know, well, I, I don't know, I, I goofed again and I, I focused too much on the negative, but I need to just make a, a decision to focus on the positive things that, that God has changed in my life. Third was re-examine your motives. Now, I want to just bring some points home about motives. Re-examine your motives. Is your acceptance of God's love based on performance? Because it can be. You know, it can be, you know, you can think, okay, I've got to perform, i got to do this. And, you know, I, I think sometimes I realize, I have to realize in my life, I did, if I didn't do anything in the area of outreach or if I, if I was not a minister at all, God would still love me just as much as he does right now. So is, 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 your, is your, you know, relationship with God, is it based on, on um, performance? Is your acceptance of God's love... Uh, you know based on how you perform it shouldn't be it shouldn't be secondly re-examining your motives why do you do the things you do why do you do, why are you doing the things that you do what motivates you re-examine that from time to time you know I think about the the outreach that I do I know many times I've said well I'm not a not a people person what I mean by that is I'm not a sociable person But, you know, the reason I do what I do is because I care that people hear that message. So in a way, maybe I'm more of a people person than I realize. (laughs) I am deeply concerned that people hear a message. Reexamine your motives. Another point is, have you owned your faith? Have you owned your faith? I think this is important because sometimes I see people in the church of God who have not simply owned their f- This is my faith. This is what I believe. I answer to God for this. Have you reached the maturity level where you own your faith? You know, I think of that verse <clears throat> where, uh, and I think it drove Paul crazy. Now this I say that every one of you says, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. That was the wise one by the way, who said that, I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? You know, you know, I I remember a long time ago I was dealing with this guy in a another country. I asked him, I said, how did you find out about the Sabbath? He said, the Bible. I thought that's the best answer I have ever heard from anyone, <laughs> the Bible. He didn't go through a list of organizations that he'd been affiliated with or anything like that. He just said, and I think we need to learn to give that answer more. When people ask you about your belief, you know, where'd you get that belief? Well, the Bible. <laughs> you ever heard of that? <laughs> uh You know, when we stand before Christ, he's going to ask you, you how did you find out about me? And I think what Paul was upset at was that these people who are saying, I am a Paul, they had never owned their faith. You have to come to a point where you own it. You know, in a way, you're not even a real Christian until you own your faith. This is why I believe what I believe. It's, It's called the Word of God. Own your faith. I want to turn to this verse in conclusion here. I don't think I have many more pages here. Romans 14 and verse 22. Romans 14 and verse 22. This tells us something about owning our faith. Romans 14 and verse 22. It says, Have you faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he. That condemn not himself, condemn, condemneth not himself, and the thing in the thing which he allows. He goes on to say, and he that doubteth is damned if he eats, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now, okay. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemns not himself and the thing which he allows. Now when I talk about the things in which you allow, I'm not talking about you allowing sin in your life, the breaking of the Ten Commandments, but there are, God gives us more liberty and freedom than, than any of us would, would care to realize. That there are decisions that you have to make, probably on a day-to-day basis, about life, about what you're gonna do, what you're gonna allow, and you have to make that decision. Now, again, I'm not talking about areas of, of blanket, what we would call sin. You know, obviously you can't allow that, you know, sin. But you have to make those decisions. And um, anything that you, you allowed and you answer to God for that. Other people may disagree with you. But you, it, it's not their problem. It's your issue. You answer to God for that. And that, that settles it right there. So, that in that sense, owning your faith. And again, it says, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So, just keep that in mind. Okay, the man, the seashore, and the four prescriptions. Number one, are you listening to what really feeds your spirit? Two, reach back. Three, re-examine your motives. Four, write your worries in the sand. Jesus put it this way, and I'm reading this from a different translation. So don't even worry about tomorrow. After all, tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. You know, in a way, what what Jesus is saying is every day, write your troubles in the sand and let it be washed away. I meant to bring, I was going to bring that little thing, gift that Rebecca got me. It's a cup holder, a huggy. And it's got that, I can push a button on it, it keeps my, my coke cold, you know, a little huggy. Uh, a little button you push on it, and it plays that song Don't Worry, Be Happy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Don't Worry, Be Happy. Uh, uh, write your worries in the sand every day. There are times when we all need to experience a new beginning. Fresh every day. Write your words in the sand. You can be fresh every day. And every Sabbath, every seventh day is a new beginning. And you must determine whether your spirit is being renewed and made and make whatever changes need to be made so that every seventh day your spirit can be renewed so that you don't burn out in life.